So what's your favorite way to wave? You know, there's such a variety of ways to wave. Uh, the You Betcha Guy has a hilarious video about the, the school of waving. Are you, uh, are you just a straight, straight out? Hey, how's it going? Are you a pointer? That gets a little weird. Like, hey, I see you. Are you the two-finger, straight-up, peace kind of person? Are you the Harley Davidson riding, drop-down, curveball kind of waver? You know who you are? Are you the, hey, I haven't seen you, and I'm not sure if you can see my arm, waver? My favorite wave that, that uh, is mentioned is the no-look wave. It's where... Uh, this happened to me the other day. It happens to me all the time. Uh, neighbor driving by, and you just give him one of these. It's like, I know you're there. I don't know if you're looking at me, but in the chance that you are looking at me, I have to acknowledge that you are there and that I care about you and I see you. And chances are, you're not even looking at me because you're just leaving your house and you're thinking about where you're going. Uh, certainly, there is the one finger driving down the road wave right here. Now that I've been driving since 13 is completely torn up, been driving down the tenuous East Lake Hubert Road. Some of you have driven that road. It's dangerous because the people walking on the road are dangerous. Maybe one of you are those people, and at which time I'd love to chat with you about your road. That isn't your road. Because it's a public roadway. So you just give them the, hey, which means, good to see you. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. Talk to you later. All at the same time in one single finger. What's your favorite form of waving? Maybe you are not a waver. If, uh, as my friend Jeff mentioned, you forget and as you live in Minnesota, when you go back to South Dakota, everyone waves. Minnesota nice is a myth. It's actually South Dakota nice, because everyone waves at everyone. You're like, oh, did you know that person? Nope, just wanted to be friendly. How about what is your preferred greeting? Is it the, how are you doing? And if that is your preferred greeting, what is your preferred response from the person that you greet? Is it, not so bad, you? Which oftentimes is a complete lie, let's be honest. <laughs> because if we ever say what we're actually feeling or how we're actually doing, I love to try this out sometimes. If I'm having a particularly challenging day, I often stop at Schaefer's. I used to stop there a lot more because I would drive right by there on my way home. You stop in there, check out person. Sometimes it's Nick, in which case Nick knows exactly what I'm going to say. But, but the person, that, the unexpected person, how are you today? I've had a challenging day. Actually, I've been having a really terrible day because this, that, and the other thing. Got pulled over, ran out of gas, got a flat tire. You're like, yep, all these things could have happened to you in the same day. And the look on their face is like, beep, <laughs> beep, how are you doing? We don't know how to respond because we've gotten so into not knowing how to greet one another or how to respond to greetings that we just go on greeting. Or you greet the person who is uh, the hugger, and you're not sure if you're ready to hug them, especially now. And so they come in for the hug, and you, how do you like 
turn sideways to side hug and block them. Isn't it good to greet people? We have a greeting. Uh, uh, first, we got to do our tapas. Just kidding. We gave that up for Lent. <laughs> Some of you get that. Some of you are like, what? We are finishing Philippians today. And some of us rejoiced. <laughs> Verse 21 of chapter 4. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I thought when John told me this is what I had to preach on, he was joking. See, because we think Philippians ends at verse 20 with the amen. It's like if you're ever praying with somebody and they say amen, and so you're like, okay, we're done praying, and then they keep praying, and you're like, no, we're done. What is this, like a Marvel movie where you have to stay until the credits are done to see what's actually coming up next? Like, I thought you were done with this letter. It's the P.S. Back when Nikki and I used to write letters, that's how we first would communicate. Back in the Stone Ages... When stamps were only 29 cents, and I would write her letters to 12825 Falcon Drive, Apple Valley, Minnesota. She no longer lives there, and I have no idea who lives there. So if you happen to stop by there on your way to the zoo, tell them I say hi. You always have the P.S. This is Paul's P.S. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Warren Burger, not to be confused with Warren Buffett, although a buffet of burgers would be delicious, wrote a book called A More Beautiful Question. And it has me asking lots more questions. What if we've bought into believing a particular way of doing things is the appropriate and intended way of doing things when in reality it isn't? What if cognitive knowledge is actually a red herring and an idol in disguise? Has anyone ever asked you, why do you do such and such thing? And then you think, I don't actually know. What if we asked more questions? Like, why do we avoid people? What if the past 14 months have given us a gift in offering us a chance to reimagine how we see our Sunday morning involvement and engagement? Here's a question. Why do we enter this particular building on a Sunday morning? These are all questions that have been ruminating in my mind. And Paul concludes this letter with these greetings. And, and at first glance, it's a throwaway. We, we feel like, okay, he's already said what he really wants to say, and so we think of it as this throwaway. But in actuality, I think the meat and the heart of what Paul is doing here at the end of this letter is far more revolutionary than we realize for our context today. 
See, we know that Paul writes Philippians, this letter to the Philippian church, and he's talking about how we relate to one another and how the church lives and exists in one another. And we could go through this whole big recap about some of the highlights of Philippians and what Paul is saying to the church and how they interact with one another. But I think in a lot of ways he gives it to us here in these last few verses. Why do we enter this building on a Sunday morning? So yesterday was the first uh, sailing race of the season for the Brainerd, uh, the Gull Lake Sailing School, and it was a new format of, of sailing racing, and I made two massive mistakes yesterday. One was not listening to John and putting sunscreen on my face, and the second was not hearing my wife clearly when she said, you should go get me coffee. I know that sounds like a very direct statement, but in my ears, I think maybe because I had a stocking cap on, I didn't hear it clearly. And so this new format of racing is called team racing instead of fleet racing. And, and so there's three boats from each team that race at the same time in the same race. And so how it works is your three boats are against three other boats from a different team. And how you finish determines your score. And it's a little bit like golf. And so if, you're, if you finish first... Uh, third and fifth, you get nine points. Some of you are like, oh, one, three. Yep, nine points. So then the other team would finish uh, second, fifth, and sixth. And Connor's like, 13 points? Okay, nine is less than 13, so the team that got nine points wins. And the challenging thing is oftentimes when we're in a race, we think, all I need to do is win. But in a team race, all you need to do is get your boats across the finish line in a way that your team wins. So even if your boat wins the race, if my other two boats finish fifth and sixth, I actually lose. You're like, this is so confusing. Yeah, you should have been there all day. The seven miles an hour of light and variable winds coming out across White Bear Lake. Okay, how many points did we score? Okay, we lost. Okay. But the last race of the day, we won. Woo! It was so amazing. Small victories. What does team sailing racing have to do with our view of the church? Because it's about the collective unit coming together and accomplishing something. It's this concept of mutual participation in the body. It's this idea of the fellowship of faith that we were talking about on Wednesday nights when we were going through, going through Philemon or this concept of corporate bearing. Because Paul has written this letter to this church and he wants them to be in fellowship with one another greeting one another, participating in the life of each other. And frankly, I just have not been doing a great job of this lately. And I can blame it on wearing a mask and people wearing masks. And it, I don't know what it is. I think most of it is human nature. But it's this challenge to greet one another, and not this, 
How's it going? Not so bad. You? Fine. Good. But actually greeting one another in a way that brings about community and communion and the participation in faith with one another. Because that is what the body of Christ is meant to be about. That is why we get this image of a body of Christ. If the church is the body of Christ and we are a part of the church, then we are a part of the body of Christ. And a dismembered body is not a good thing. And so Paul is concluding this by reminding the Philippians that you are to greet one another and to be in fellowship with one another, and you, you are to greet the rest of the church on our behalf. So my mom moved up here um, roughly five years ago, but she can probably correct me when she comes to the second service because she always comes to the second service. And she said, well, Eric, how am I going to meet uh, women if there are no women's ministries at Timberwood Church? And some of you just said, what? I said, well, Mom, this is what you're going to do. Here's what I need you to do. I said, Mom, on a Sunday morning, you're going to go up to somebody, and you're going to say, hi, my name is Mary Lou. That used to, remember, five years ago, we used to shake hands with one another. I've not met you before. And they're going to say, oh, nice to meet you, Mary Lou. My name is whatever their name is. And then you're going to go meet somebody else. And then next week, you're going to go meet two new people. And the next week, you're going to go meet two new, two new people. And before I know it, I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? Oh, I'm busy with my friends. What? What? Oh, yeah, so-and-so and I are going to go do this. I'm like, who? Oh, you know, they come to Timberwood. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course they do. Yes, they do. I've seen their card. But so often we have, we have misunderstood why we gather on a Sunday morning. The reason why we gather together in corporate worship as a body of Christ is to be together. Not physically together, but together and united in relationship. And I know some of us say, I don't actually like other people. Um, hmm. Okay. But as we've been talking about through the whole book of Philippians, when we are called into fellowship with Christ and a relationship with Christ, our lives are not our own and our desires are not our own and the things that we live and how we live is radically different. And so the call to greet one another and to be in fellowship with one another in the body of Christ is not about us. It's about everyone else. And as John mentioned last week, we, you know, we have this view of, of inviting a friend to church and luring them with, a, with an energy drink or, or a donut or, or whatever it may be. And unfortunately, we often think of that as the end of the sentence. We punctuate that with an exclamation point or a period or some sort of grammatical terminal ending to the sentence. But in actuality, it should be punctuated with a comma or a semicolon. I was never good at grammar, 
Mrs. Schultz, ninth grade, she wasn't great. Frankly, I didn't pay a lot of attention. But that sentence should be a both and. We invite the person to come and join us at Timberwood. And we look around. And we say, oh my word. God has brought you into this place. And I have an opportunity to connect with the body of Christ while I pray for my friend who isn't here yet. I know many of us are having visceral responses. Ugh. You know, it's that like, mm. But it's what Paul is telling us and instructing the Philippian church to do. He doesn't say in verse 21, greet all your friends and acquaintances. He doesn't say, greet those folks that you enjoy. He doesn't say, greet the potential client that you see when you gather as a body. He says, greet every saint. And you're like, well, <laughs> then obviously there's a whole list of folks who I know that are here. They don't meet that category. I mean, can I get an amen? Like all of us. <laughs> and what he is doing is he started back in Philippians 1 with the same phrase. And it's if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, if we are in relationship with Christ, if we are a part of the body of Christ, the church, then we are a saint in Christ. And so we all, all of us that identify as followers of Christ, are considered saints. And we are to greet one another. And I think, you know, this concept of approaching the kingdom of God like a child is often missed on us. Because if you ever take your kid to the park, what do they do? They run up to the most random kids. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Can we be friends? And they're like, yes. And they come home. Dad, I just met my best friend. Who's that? I don't remember. What's your name again? It's Jimmy. But as we grow up, we're like, oh, sup? Yo. How you doing? What would that look like? What would that look like on a Sunday morning if we all just were greeting one another? Not just like, I know, the traditional, now we're going to take a few minutes and you're going to greet the folks around you. Are you ready? You're like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. We actually connected with one another. Folks that we had no, we'd never met before. That maybe, potentially, could be our best friends, and we just don't know it yet. But at a minimum, they are a saint in Jesus Christ, and they are a part of the body. I'll give you two great tips. Number one, remind me of your name again. 
Remind me of your name again? Which implies I may have met you before, but I can't remember because, frankly, I'm just not good at this. And number two, I don't think we have officially met. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I know some of you are like, I'm just visiting. (laughs) And it is my sincere prayer and desire that you are greeted before you leave. And this beautiful throwaway, oh, and by the way, the gospel is extending to Caesar's household and people in the top house are converting and following Christ and they also want to say, what's happening? And then the last verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's this interesting, uh, as I said, grace sandwich. What's your favorite sandwich? Not like, oh, you know, I like to get a turkey and cheese at Subway, but like your best sandwich you've ever eaten in your entire life. It's a tie for me. Tiffany's Greek Deli in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and the pastrami at Carnegie Deli in New York City. But it's hard to beat peanut butter and jelly with Cool Ranch Doritos on the inside. David's like, can I get an amen? With a side atop the tater. <laughs> Spread the top of the tater on the, grill, on the peanut butter and jelly, and then you grill it. I just thought of that. <laughs> can we take a moment? Huh. I might need to take a break between services. Paul starts with grace and he ends with grace. This is a thing that he did in Philemon, which we just finished on Wednesday nights. If you want to watch, you can catch it. It is this grace sandwich. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This idea of grace, giving of something that we do not deserve. Grace being the essential component of faith in Jesus Christ. It's this fascinating myriad of possibilities that we cannot even begin to comprehend in our finite minds. It's like looking into this multifaceted diamond. Why do we withhold grace from ourselves? Why is it the person that's the hardest to extend grace to is often ourselves? And then how often is it that we withhold grace from other people because we don't extend grace to ourselves and it is this cyclical challenge that we face. And then we sit with this spirit of instability in our hearts and we wrestle with what does this even mean? And it's Mother's Day, right? Mothers are the best, oftentimes, more than likely. My mom extended me and does continue to extend me grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And I know that for some of us, Mother's Day is not a great day. 
Frankly, it's a downright terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And we need grace in our spirits today. Because for some of us, we wish we were mothers and we aren't mothers, or we've lost our mother and we wish we could have one more minute with our mothers, and we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with our spirits. And since we've already been uncomfortable with talking about talking to other people, I figured why not just get more uncomfortable And I want us to try this thing. It's part of the prayer path. It's been something that's been very influential in my spiritual formation over the past few years. And it's this idea of the breathing prayer where we seek to embody something from the Lord and we seek to expel something from ourselves. And again, some of you visitors are like, this church is not at all what I expected. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) And so what I want us to do is I want us to close our eyes. And you can put your hands on your chest or your, your hands on your legs, wherever you want to put them. And as we breathe in, I want us to breathe in grace. So as we breathe in, we breathe in grace. And as we exhale, we exhale whatever the negative thing that is clouding our lives today. For some of us, it's anxiety. For some of us, it's fear. For some of us, it's doubt. Whatever it is. And we breathe in grace. And we breathe out anxiety or fear or doubt or shame or whatever it is today. And we can do that as long as it feels like we need to do it. We can do it when we're sitting in our car. If we're driving, we should probably keep our eyes open. Paul concludes this monumental text and he says, The grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning as a body of individuals who struggles with our individuality. And we know that when we neglect the community of your body, we neglect you. And we just own it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And you have given us your spirit to overcome hard things. And so Holy Spirit, this morning we pray that you would empower us that we would be known by how we greet one another and how we live in fellowship as a body, how we honor you with our hellos and our engagements. That we would experience your grace and extend your grace to ourselves and to one another. This morning, 
we do breathe in your grace, the grace that offers us the opportunity to be in relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we know that your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen.